Today on the LA Countdown, the podcast, I'm Lucas Gervodio, and it's my birthday, so I'll pod if I want to. If you forgot to get me a present, that's okay, because it turns out I've got a gift for you. Cousin Saul and I are holding a draft of the 10 best birthday spots in LA, so for those of you who have been celebrating at Dave & Buster's year in, year out, your life is about to change. But first, we're joined by James Beard Award-winning broadcaster, author, and all-around pizza expert, Steve Delinsky. Steve is hosting the first ever Pizza City Fest LA, coming to LA Live this April 29th. Think of it as the Coachella of pizza. We talk about the festival, but we also talk about his illustrious career in food, what it's like to be a judge on Iron Chef America, and I even get him to reveal what he thinks is the best pizza city in America. Trust me when I say you're going to want at least one slice of this interview. So without further ado, let's chow down. All right, calling in from Chicago, he's an author, podcaster, newscaster, and an expert in all things pizza and a James Beard Award winner. It's Steve Delinsky. Steve, how are you doing today? I am great, Luca. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for joining us. I, I have to start with a, a question about your name. It's uh, Steve Delinsky, and it's a little suspicious that someone who knows pizza so well has dough literally in their name. Is it your real name? Hilarious. Someone just pointed that out to me recently. I didn't think about that until, I mean, way down the road. But yeah, it is funny that dough is part of my name. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, it is my name. That's my name. My grandfather came over from uh, Ukraine. So they must have, uh, you know, dough and pizza were big maybe in my past. Yeah, I feel like it was maybe your destiny. And we're going to talk a lot about pizza. Um, but really, you've had a super rich and interesting career in food. So I think it makes, start to sense, it, it makes sense to start with, how did you even get into food in the first place? What sparked that love? Yeah, totally by accident. Um, I, I had a sister-in-law. Still, she is still my sister-in-law, brother's wife from Australia, got me into food when I was probably in junior high school, high school. Um, I grew up in a kosher home in St. Cloud, Minnesota, about mm -hmm. an hour north of Minneapolis, where there were about 10 Jewish families. And so growing up for me in the 70s was a lot of brown, overcooked, not very interesting food. Um, yeah. We had a lot of chicken and then lamb chops as, as a kid. And so my sister-in-law from Australia really turned me on to Asian food and just everything else that was out there and gave me some really cool cookbooks when I graduated college, uh, when I went to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan for my first job in television. I remember going to the grocery store asking for fresh basil to make pesto. And they looked at me like I was crazy. They didn't, you know, they, they, we had the basil here to dry it. It comes in a jar. <laughs> so that was, you know, my early experience with cooking. But I really got into food because I think of her. Yeah. And, um, and living in, in Madison, Wisconsin, which is a pretty, you know, cool town you know, where the university is. And then um, getting to Chicago in my early 20s and, and sort of being here at the cusp of this sort of... The, bridge between the old guard and the new guard and you know, Charlie Trotter was still a big name at that point mm -hmm. um, but getting to explore the city and really um, sort of figure out just what I loved food wise I mean it was Asian food it was Middle Eastern food it was just everything under the sun here that I didn't have growing up and so that was kind of my passion my hobby but I was a news reporter sort of stuck in a news reporting job for the Tribune company they had a 
24-hour news channel called CLTV, Chicagoland Television. Mm-hmm. And just right place, right time uh, in 95, they announced they were going to do a TV version of the Tribune's weekly food section called Good Eating. And so I volunteered to be the producer for that show. And then a year later took over as the host and kind of never looked back. That was wow. that show eight, eight years in our, you know, without stopping. We did 52 shows a year. And uh, in 03, when they canceled the show, I shot myself around in Chicago as a food reporter on television and ABC offered me a job and they were the yeah. number one station in the market. So I went over to ABC. I was there for 17 years and I was, by that time, I'd become really good at just kind of producing my own content and coming up with my own stories. And so that really led to a lot of other great freelance opportunities. And, and you had a, a nickname when you were at ABC, is that right? Yeah, the hungry hound. The hu- uh, how did how did that come about? People in Chicago still call me that, even though I tell them the hounds and put to sleep. Uh, <laughs> but they, so it was my first day on the job, and they said, "What are we going to call your segment?" You know, we need to come up with a name for it, and we were kind of casting about like you know, Chow Hound and the Eater, and you know, those were taken obviously by websites. Mm-hmm. So somebody, one of the producers, said, "What about the hungry hound?" Because they like that, you know, the alliteration. And they said, sure, that sounds good. Okay, what's the next thing on the agenda? It was kind of decided in about 10 seconds. And it's something that stuck for 17 years, which is just crazy to me. But it really was a great opportunity. And it really, I mean, they have huge penetration in Chicago, you know, number one by far. Um, so, yeah, it was a great opportunity, great run. Yeah, well, and, and so you were a newscaster. Did you set out to have a career in food and, and were sort of just waiting for your opportunity or was it really just kind of like it fell in your lap and you were like that sounds fun totally fell in my lap yeah and when i 95 when this was all happening so i'd been a news reporter professionally for five years at that point i worked in upper michigan i worked in iowa downstate illinois i got to chicago as a news reporter I, we helped launch this news channel and i really didn't love it i mean it really wasn't i i have kind of a thin skin I, I i couldn't really cover hard news but i loved yeah. food and so i would always gravitate to food feature stories you know, as a general assignment news reporter you know once in a blue moon you cover something that's really interesting or a feature mm-hmm. story and so but it was just yeah it fell in my lap like we're the we were the station that was going to be doing this tv version of a, a food uh food section and they're looking for volunteers and you know they had the weather guy said i like food so he became the host and then, you know, as a news reporter, I said, well, I want to work on this show. And they said, well, we need a producer. So yeah. I became the producer. And then a year later, the host took a job in another market. I took over as the, produ- as the host, too. But it really, right place, right time. And that was the, the only thing in 95 was the Food Network. And they, they'd only been around for a year or two. Right. I was going to ask, because this is the 90s, right? And I feel like the big, like, celebrity chef craze and whatnot was still probably in its infancy, right? I wasn't even there yet. I mean, yeah, the, the, you know, Emerald. It was still pre-Emerald. I mean, pre-Emerald. Wow. Pre-em- we were we had Emerald come through Chicago on book tour for like Emerald's Creole Christmas, one of his books, I think. And we did a we always taped a recipe segment in the Tribune's test kitchen for our show each week. And so since he was going to come through Chicago, we said well, let's do a recipe segment with him. But he had very little TV experience at that point, so he had been media trained. I could tell. But yeah. he didn't really have his show going. So, yeah, this was like 95, 96. Yeah, wow. So you're kind of like a hipster when it comes to food media. Mm, maybe an OG. <laughs> an OG. There you go. Hipster OG. <laughs> well, we, we could call you both, whatever you prefer. Um, well, that's awesome. It's definitely something that I think a lot of people out there aim to emulate. And 
I mean, a lot of people, you know, can get on TV and or or even just pick up a mic or an iPhone these days and make their own food content. But, you know, you you kind of did more than that. You've actually won James Beard Awards, right? Yeah, um, I've got 13 of them. I'm sitting wow. beneath them right now in my office. Uh, and we got six for TV and I think four or five for radio and then one for podcast. So like it's, that. it's fair to say you're the Adele of the James Beard Awards then. Oh, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. Or Meryl Streep. We'll take either of those is great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's Probably awesome. I'm so old too. I'm just, you know, I've been doing it for so long. Um, yeah. You know, I, my first award was in 96. So, uh, I mean, I'd like to think that, you know, one of the things that set me apart was just um, the quality of production, you know, high production yeah. values. So, no, you know, I see, I see what's done these days on phones and some of it's okay, but I think, you know, I still believe in, in sound and lighting. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that is something that definitely distinguishes your content. Even if folks just go on YouTube and look up Steve Delinsky and pizza, he's got some awesome videos and the production quality is just so high. It really, it feels like you're watching a Food Network show, but on YouTube. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. That's kind of what I'm going for. I mean, I want it to be professional looking. Um, and it's it's a little bit sad to me that no one's ever, I mean, I've, I pitched it obviously to national pr- programs before, but nobody's ever wanted to to take me up on the offer. They're always like, it's not the right time, or we don't want pizza, or you know, whatever. They don't want pizza. What's wrong with them? Well, they do. They just don't want the format that I'm doing it. They want you know, like three people competing on an island, um, yeah, down the pigs and making the pepperoni themselves or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I feel like we're reaching a point of saturation with uh, cooking competition shows, but that's a different. Actually, it ties directly into what I want to ask you about next, which is that you've been a judge on some of those shows. Is that right? Like Iron Chef America? Yeah. What? Yeah, what I is? Did, I did Iron. Yeah. So I want to know what that's like because in my mind it would look like this: it would be try your darndest to not get too full, and then just wait in crippling anxiety, hoping that the other judge, judges don't steal my take. Um, that's that's the sort of like anxiety dream i'm having just thinking about that uh, i'm curious what it's actually like yeah it's it's a long day first of all they do two shows back to back or they did when i was there um and i think kevin brosh was the floor reporter and alton brown uh, uh-huh. was the chairman and um we did uh what do we do battle rabbit i did battle pheasant so two different wow. days and it's a long it's like five or six hours to do you know a one hour show there's a lot of resetting setting things up, you know, um, for the tasting, you are pacing yourself. You don't, don't want to overeat. Uh, you want to be able to be cognizant of what's, you know, what's going on around you and take notes and what they're preparing. Cause you can't just, you need to like see what they're, what they're using in the, in the dishes, um, and how they're preparing them. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, you want to come up with something witty and pithy and, you know, and not be, um, uh, big footed by the other judges and, yeah. you know, get, get your word, get your opinions in there and, um, be, you know, be critical, but also praiseworthy. So I, you try to kind of balance both, I think. But right. um, it was a long day. I remember like I, I came like in the late morning or early afternoon and we, were out, we weren't out until like nine o'clock at night. Wow. And you probably weren't that hungry, were you? I was not. Not after <laughs> Battle Rabbit. Rabbit is an underrated, under, underrated and underused food in my opinion. So I'm, I'm jealous you got to do that one. Well, it's just so lean, right? I mean, yeah. I, it's, you need to add fat to it because there's just not a lot of inherent fat to it. So um, I think it was, I'm trying to think who the chefs were. Um, one was Michael Simon. 
Oh yeah. Uh, remember him? Yeah. Yeah. From yeah. Cleveland, the Greek guy. And uh, another chef from Canada. I think that was, that's what it was. Oh, then Morimoto was the battle pheasant against a guy from Chicago. That was fun. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, I, I would have loved to see his preparation of that. And, and I'm sure actually Michael Simon probably could have taken the pheasant in some interesting Greek directions. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Or, was, or the, or the was, rabbit. He was a good guy. It was, that, was, that was a lot of fun to do. And I think um, Dana Cowan, who was the editor of Food and Wine Magazine, was one of my co-judges and Alex Guarnaschelli was on there with me, so that was cool. Oh, that's awesome. I That's my problem. I think I would be too starstruck to ever do anything like that. So, uh, uh, But again, you know, that's sort of what's happened with, uh, with the celebritization of, of these food personalities over the last 20 years. Yeah, and I also just – I always was the Chicago guy. You know, they, yeah. there's always too many New Yorkers on those shows because it's just easy for them to go downtown to the studio. And I just didn't, I never always felt like they didn't have enough representation from around the country. And so I would always try to lobby to get on the shows. And I finally got on a couple of shows, but man, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Yeah, I bet. Well, well, speaking of representation from around the country, you are a regional judge for the world's 50 best. Is that right? No, I just stepped down this year. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. This, this last 2022 is my last one. Got and it. it's so funny you mentioned that. The, I just got this morning the uh, the email that voting is now open for 50 best. So I'm now just um, – I'm a voter. Okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I was – for 13 years, I was chair of the um, central region in North America. That is fascinating. I mean I don't know how much you can actually talk about that process, but are there any you know general uh, anecdotes you can give about what that's like? It just seems like such a – tough job to have to sort of look at this like very expansive, you know, landscape of restaurants and have to go in and, and select literally the best. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. I mean, the, the, the process is really involved. Like, so the, the voters, so there are 26 regions in the world, right? They've divided the world up into 26 pieces. Each of those pieces has an Academy chairperson. So that chairperson um, has to recruit 39 voters. Now, those yeah. voters are supposed to be anonymous. The only people that are known are the, the 26 chair people. Um, and then of those 39 voters, when you look at your voting body of 40 voters per region, um, it has to be a third restaurateurs or chefs, mm -hmm. a third writers or food broadcasters, and then a third gastronomes or wealthy people who travel around and eat a lot. Um, mm -hmm. It's got to be 50-50 male-female, and because I've got Canada in my region, it had to be, you know, percentage from Ontario typically because Toronto's there. So it was very difficult to get that list exact every year. Yeah, um, and then, but But those voters then go online and vote anonymously. Um, they vote for between six and ten places, I think up to six in your own region, and then four from elsewhere. And then they're tabulated by an accounting firm and that's it. Nobody goes and says, you know, I think this should be number one and this should be number two. Yeah. So, that way. People, you know. uh, well, so, you know, it brings to mind, we're obviously in an in award season in Hollywood here in LA and it brings to mind some of the sort of like awards campaigns that happen around films, which are, you know, whoever has the biggest uh, team behind them and can go out and, you know, do the biggest advertisement campaigns and whatnot. Is there any way to actually like campaign for these kinds of awards in the industry? The only way that I've seen is that um, tourism agencies get together with the, the top restaurants in their region and they will invite 
journalists, writers, um, they will invite academy chairs because again, the academy chairs are the only ones that are on the public website that people know that they're voters, right? There are only 26 known voters out of a thousand voters. They will invite them to their country, to their city, uh, and they will have dinners at these restaurants. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, they can pretty much figure out who other voters are going to be because they'll just invite, you know, writers and freelancers that have big presences on Instagram. They typically, those tend to be the people who get asked to vote. So Mm -hmm. while they don't, there's no guarantee they're voters, they're, they're, it's not shooting fish in a barrel, but they have a pretty good sense that those are potentially voters. And so, and then if they're influential people and they vote or they go to a place like say Oreo in Chicago, Mm-hmm. And they have a great experience. They're going to tell their colleagues and their friends about it. They're going to post about it. And then their people who follow them are going to say, oh, when I'm in Chicago, I'm going to go to Oriel. Yeah. So that is sort of a shadow campaign and way to, to get people to come, I think. Yeah. Have, have, has that ever backfired? AKA like uh, people have been invited to those meals and then someone, you know, maybe posts about it and is like, I had a horrific meal at Oriel. No, they t- people t- tend to not. Um, keep it, they tend to keep it to themselves. They have a bad experience. Yeah. Um, but it can, it backfires when voters will say to the restaurant, Hey, I'm a voter. I need to get a reservation. And mm. that is forbidden. You voters are supposed to be anonymous. You're not supposed to tell the restaurants you're a voter. So and we, as soon as we find out about that, you know, we, we contact the voter and tell them they're off the list and they're not voting anymore. And, um, cause yeah, people try to use it to their advantage and we, yeah. it's not, it's not cool. I wish we had that in the food influencer world, you know, just like these, these people who are reaching out to restaurants and saying like, Hey, I'll, I'll come eat at your restaurant. You just have to give me $1,200 worth of free food. Um, I wish we had a way to kick them off Instagram. Yeah. It's really ridiculous. I just saw somebody post something last week from a restaurant here and they didn't hashtag ad or sponsor or partner or anything. And, and I heard later from the uh, the restaurant that they had to pay the person a thousand bucks to wow. do a reel for them. Just yeah, that is, hey, it's not bad work if you can get it, but it does feel like uh, it's against the spirit of the exercise, right? Yeah. And the flip side of that, if you get invited somewhere, like if you're a voter, you happen to be a voter and they don't know it. But if you go to a place and you have a not great experience, you're not going to vote for that restaurant just because they gave you a free meal. If they, if they come to you, there is no way of knowing if they voted, you know, how they voted for your restaurant, if they voted at all. Yeah. So like, you know, I've been a guest at a restaurant like once in Bogota and um, it's one of those, you know, top 30 places. Mm-hmm. And I had a terrible experience um, a couple months ago. And like, they, they are not going to get a vote for me. That's for sure. Yeah. And you were invited there. Yeah. Got it. So that yeah. kind of backfired for them. Although you're probably not the kind of guy to go and spread that around everywhere. No, I didn't talk about it. I didn't post. I posted like one picture from the from the dinner, but I wasn't. Yeah, I was not praiseworthy. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But I, I, I hear that. If I'm going to a restaurant and I'm not posting about it, then that's kind of uh, a tacit review in and of itself. You know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, I feel like we should probably get get onto the uh, the main course of this conversation, and that is <laughs> that is pizza, because yeah. y- you're. Kind of like Chicago's mayor pizza. And, you know, if there is like a presidential campaign of pizza, I think you're making a really strong case to become president of the United States of pizza. Um, And I have to ask, where did this love for pizza come from? We've heard about your love for food, but why pizza specifically? 
Yeah, it came from frustration. I had read in 2016, 2017, a listicle of the seven hottest pizza places in Chicago. And I knew that it was BS. I knew that it was based on, you know, PR hype or, or whatever. And I asked, had anybody ever gotten to the bottom of this pizza question in Chicago? Like, I know we've talked about Italian beef, talked about hot dogs, but what about pizza? And I, as I dug into it, no one really had. There were one or two books are written about Chicago pizza, but they weren't very thorough. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I'm going to just, you know, I've done deep dives on pho. I've done deep dives on beef. I'm going to do a deep dive on pizza. So I said, I'll set aside three months. I'll do like maybe three, four days a week. I'll, I'll go to a couple places a day. I'll, I'll tackle the, this, the region as a whole. And as I started doing this, people would chime in and they would say, you know, if you're going to do a Chicago hashtag Chicago pizza crawl, you better go to Pudgy's and Hegwish. You better go to Barnaby's in Northbrook. You better go to, you know, on and on it went. And the thing that I liked about it was every now and then you discover a little gem and every one of these places has a great story. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many, like you hear about Pizzeria Uno, which is kind of a tourist trap now. And the owners have been based in Boston for many, many years. Mm-hmm. But you know, a lot of these other places have some great, local stories and so as a as a minor in history i got excited about kind of the where did this come from Mm -hmm. and and how are you sourcing and tell me about the sauce and what about the cheese and i did you know there's more than just sauce cheese and and dough and crust i i feel like it's just there's so many nuances to pizza and then i get to the west coast and so let me back up so as i was doing this i found that there was this incredible um, interest on my website and I pitched it as a book to Northwestern University Press because they had asked me to do uh, a quick review, a peer review for them on another project. Mm-hmm. And they said, yeah, we love this idea. Nobody's ever done it. Let's do it. So I ended up going to about 186 places in about six months to get to 101 that I could recommend. Because obviously- In the U.S.? Go, in the in U.S. Chicago. or in Chicago? In, in, Chica- in Chicago. 186 pizzerias in Chicago? Oh, Yeah. Because, That's... because listen, if you go to four places, two or three are not going to be great. Yeah, yeah, I right? hear that. That's a lot of averages. So you can't just go to 101 and expect to get 101 you're going to recommend. So yeah. I, as a reporter, again, and I'm not getting paid by these places, I'm going out on my own dime. I spent my um, advance, you know, within three months. Um, I'm trying all the pizzas I can to get a really clear picture of, of my environment. And so I came up with top fives for, you know, tavern style, artisan, thin, Neapolitan, Roman. I also realized Chicago has this wealth of styles. We have such a deep yeah. bench that doesn't exist anywhere else in the country. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. New York is really like a three or four style town. LA has got maybe two or three, a lot of wood fired in LA and Chicago's has got a little bit of everything. So this became kind of my, my mission and my calling. And then I started a pizza tour business that year. And then started a podcast and then uh, started um, talking about festivals. And this is where we are now with the second festival we're going to do in LA. We did one in Chicago last summer. We had a huge turnout, like 4,000 people over two days. We had wow. 40 pizzerias over two days on 10 ovens. And we're going to do the same thing in LA now. I want to hear all about that, but I just want to go back real quick. You said you put out five uh, top five lists for all those uh, styles of pizza. How did you judge them? Did you come up with rubrics, or did you kind of just like <laughs> – like, like, it, it sounds yeah, like it was a scientific process. It was. The first well, – by the way, every pizza order was half sausage, half pepperoni. Okay, so, so that's so, that's just to keep things standard across pizzerias. Yep, 
there's no, I don't care if your specialty is the vegan cheese, you know, whatever. It's gotta be half sausage, half pepperoni. Um, and I'm looking at the crust first and foremost. Um, and secondly, I'm looking at the OBR, which is the optimal bite ratio. So mm -hmm. I'm looking for things like, you know, every bite should be crust cheese sauce topping. I mm -hmm. don't want a mouthful of cheese or a mouthful of crust. I'm just not pleasant for me. Yeah. I don't think it is for anybody else. So OBR is important. The quality of the crust is important. Um, you know, temperature, is it evenly baked? Um, what's the flavor profile? That's, those are kind of like the key things I'm looking for. And you can, I mean, you can look at a pizza and, and pretty much know if it's going to be decent or not. Um, yeah. A lot of times I'm taking one bite and I'm done. I mean, I take mm -hmm. a, typically I take a bite from the tip and a bite from the heel and that's all I need. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, that is also, I feel like if you're eating 186 pizzas over, I don't know how many days, you've also got to find a way to pace yourself and, 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 <laughs> and efficiency yeah. and the number of bites is probably one way to do that. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to go to four pizzerias in a day, I'm happy to do two bites each place and bring the rest home for my teenagers. Yeah. Who, after three months were like so sick of pizza. They wanted to kill me. Wow. That's, that's like, you know, that's like a yeah. parenting tip right there. It's like, if you want your kids to get sick of pizza, just embark on writing a book about pizza and, and they'll, they'll be sick about it. <laughs> that's uh, true. That is yeah. true. Well, tell me a little bit more about pizza city fast. We mentioned it earlier, but it's coming, it's coming in thick and fast end of April, right? End of April, April 29th and 30th. Yeah, the last weekend. It's going to be at LA Live, uh, right on the event deck across the street from Crypto.com Arena. And we're partnering with those guys. So, you know, if you go see a game, uh, Clippers or, or Lakers game, you're going to see ads for Pizza Fest. So mm -hmm. I really wanted to curate this over a couple months. You know, we met on one of my trips. Um, I came in with my wife on a trip. We went to it's like eight places in Long Beach on a Saturday. Yeah. So yeah, I went to like 60 places in all to get to 38 that we invited. And I mean, it is just an all-star lineup. I mean, you know, from all over the region too, from Bettina in Santa Barbara down to Tribune. Incredible. San Diego. I just, you know, and like Masordids and Silver Lake and Long Bridge Pizza Company um, in San Francisco is going to come down. I've got, wow. I always have one out of towner. So in Chicago, we had one guy from Nashville, but at this event, we're going to have one guy from San Francisco, um, Pi LA, which nobody has written about. Um, in I mean, PTI. clearly, clearly you haven't been following the LA countdown because we, we, we reviewed it. Oh, you did. Okay. <laughs> but okay, I guess, sorry. but yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, traditional media absolutely has not, uh, I don't understand because that they are making some incredible pizza there. Yeah, I really like it. I really like it. I mean, yeah, Ronin, uh, Slice and Pint, El Segundo. We're gonna you know, Slice House by Tony Gemignani is opening in Thousand Oaks. Wow! Um, but they're but they're gonna be there. So really cool, like Truly Pizza down in Dana Point, which is John Arena, who's got Metro in Las Vegas. Uh huh. He's just about to open up uh, Truly in Dana Point. So just really, really great, really talented people, and not just pizzas, but desserts. Like we just posted. On the website, which is pizzacityfest.com, we just posted the dessert uh, people. Um, you know, one of John, the late Jonathan Gold's favorite gelatos was a place in Altadena called Bulgarini. Yeah. And I've got Leo Bulgarini who's going to be there on Saturday. We've got I've got Leo's a cookies. yeah. I've got a funny story about Leo Bulgarini actually. So he's oh. he's he's from Rome and I'm from Rome, right? And uh, the problem with that is that we support rival soccer teams. 
So one time at an event that Jonathan Gold hosted, uh, one of his like gold standard events when he was working at the Alley Weekly, which sound a little like Pizza Fest, but it was all, Pizza City Fest, but it was all like all types of different restaurants. He invited Bulgarini to be there. And I introduced myself to, to uh, the late Mr. Gold. And I told him, you know, I'm from Rome. Uh, and he asked me without missing a beat, what's your favorite soccer team? And I tell him it's Lazio. And he points straight to Leo Bulgarini and says, go and tell that man that. So I walk over, <laughs> I walk over to Leo and I tell him, hey, uh, Jonathan told me to tell you I'm a Lazio fan. And he just looks at me like I just insulted his mother, turns oh. around and leaves his station. Um, no yeah leaves his station didn't even give me ice cream and uh and uh it's uh and jonathan gold ended up writing that anecdote in a piece which was i i have i'm gonna get framed someday because honestly you know if you've made it in a jonathan gold piece you you can die happy right so wow what a great story yeah well uh but you know the way you're describing pizza city fest I, i i'd sum it up it sounds like the coachella of pizza exactly that is exactly that's a great way to say it we there's a pizza expo that happens in Vegas at the end of March and that's all industry. Uh And I felt like a couple of years ago, man, there's nothing for the consumer or the prosumer or the person who's, you know, been a hobbyist or who wants to open a place. Like it's just, we're going to do how to make pan pizza at home. We're going to have a a conversation with Chris Bianco and Brian McGinn uh, from chef's table uh, pizza. They're going to be interviewed by Karen Palmer talking about what it was like putting that together. So just, Really interesting panels as well. We've got a really a cool one called What is LA Style Pizza? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a tough one to nail down, right? I mean, how do you say what is LA Style Pizza? It's, uh, well, I, it kind of leads to this question of what kind of a pizza town is LA? You, you kind of summed it up as having a lot of wood-fired pizza, which I was actually a little taken aback to hear. Obviously, we have a lot of wood-fired pizza, but I wouldn't have thought of that as the quintessential LA style. Yeah, because well, Nancy Silverton, right? She's the, the pioneer at Mosa. Right. And then everybody, you know, wants to be a little bit like that, I think. And you look at, you know, Ronin and Gras and uh, you know, even, well, Pisana isn't really, I mean, it is wood-fired, but yeah. you know, it's neo-Neapolitan, but there's just a lot of wood-fired ovens in LA that I've seen. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. say and maybe that is that sort of neo-Neapolitan tagline is a good way to sum up LA pizza because I feel like that that may be one of our quintessential styles, right? Like wood-fired but with sort of new touches on the dough, new touches on like nods to California produce and whatnot because all of those places you just mentioned are, to me, quintessential LA pizzerias. Yeah, but then there's Apollonia's, which is not wood-fired, and there's Pie LA, which is not wood-fired. You know, and they're doing interesting things, right? Fred Eric is using uh, kombu in his water for his dough. Um, Justin at Apollonia's does a, I mean, you could say it looks like a Detroit style, but it definitely is not Detroit style. Yeah. Um, I joke, I'd say it's Monterey Park style because that's where he's from. But <laughs> I, it's just, there's so much, there's so much creativity in LA. That's also yeah. why I wanted to do this. Like, you know, just using Korean ingredients as toppings, using Latin ingredients as toppings. I just, yeah. I, I'm fascinated by how creative people are. I know there's a, there's a tacos al pastor pizza somewhere. Yeah. I've had, I've had a couple, actually a couple of renditions. Um, but, uh, I think to your point then I'd, I'd say LA pizza might just be innovation. You know, it might just yeah. be like, who's doing something different at any given moment. And then 
does that style catch on? Because, yeah, you're right. I mean, I was about to say that places like Apollonia's and LA Pie, they're kind of deviations from the mean. But no, I actually think, you know, that's a great point. They're kind of like a great representation of what makes LA pizza great. I mean, a really good example of an only in LA pizza is Double Zero in Venice. Yeah. Which is vegan. And I kind of laughed under my breath when I said, I used to, like, we're we really going to have macadamia cheese or cashew cheese or whatever. And I was blown away how good that pizza was. Yeah. Yeah. That's the guy from Plant Food and Wine, right? Matthew Kenny. Matthew Kenny. There you go. Yeah. yeah well, so look, really good. I, I'm, I've got two final questions, which you can take a bit more quick fire, but. I, I, there are things I really want to know from you. A, what's the best pizza city in the U.S.? Ooh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make you some enemies right here. There's no best pizza city in the U.S. Um, oh, that's an easy oh, answer. That's on. an easy answer. I I mean, I, I, here's the thing: New York has fantastic pizza. I, I, no one does a, a New York style slice better than New York because they just there's something in the the skill pool the talent pool the ecosystem there but the thing about chicago is that we have so many styles i think if you want to say what the a good pizza city it should be a city that represents pizza you know in all its forms right like yeah. i i would say just back this up for one second new haven has great pizza and it's interesting pizza but it's not a great pizza town because there are five pizza places there of note and they yeah. all do the same style yeah. So on the flip side of that, I will say Chicago is the greatest pizza city in America because we have deep and tavern and stuffed and Detroit and Neapolitan and Roman and Sicilian and bakery style slices and on and on it goes here. So yeah. that's what I think is great about a pizza city. Look, I'm going to let you have that one because I, uh, you mentioned all those styles and actually I can't think of excellent versions in LA of some of those representations. So I, uh, I, I'm going to just take your word for it, but it just means I'm going to need to come to Chicago sometime and, and take one of your pizza tours. But it leads me to my final question. You bring up deep dish pizza. Settle this once and for all. Is it pizza? Absolutely is. Um, and the reason I say that is because you're probably thinking of stuffed pizza, which is a different architecture altogether. Um, stuffed is made in a deep pan. Right. But in addition to the bottom crust or the bottom dough, um, and then it has shreds of mozzarella and the topping, and then it has a second layer of dough across the top of that, and then the sauce goes on top of the second layer of dough. Uh -huh. That's a stuffed pizza. That's not deep dish. Deep yeah. dish is a is doesn't have a top layer of dough. And so when I take people like Justin at Apollonia, when I took him to my pie, or mm -hmm. when I took Polly G's to my pie, or when I took Michael from uh, St. Vito Focaccia in Nashville to my pie, it changed their life. And they yeah. said, this is actually delicious deep dish pizza. So my pie is your shout. Is that your shout for best deep dish pizza in Chicago? It's my top. Yeah, I, I think it is. I, I, they've been around for 50 years. It's very consistent. There's only one store. Um, they opened up within a few months of Lou Malnati's, which is the, the big yeah. dog in Chicago. But yeah, they do a, such a great job at my pie. Yeah. Yeah. I look, I, uh, I have a deep appreciation for deep dish pizza. Don't get me wrong, but I do, I do have a tough time comparing it pound for pound with other styles of pizza because no, I think but of, here's, but, but here's I, the problem. So, yeah. yeah go, go, ahead, for it. go ahead. I was just going to say of all the styles of pizza, it feels so different that 
it's it's hard. It, I I would be more likely to compare it to, uh, I don't know. In Italy, we have these things called pizze rustiche, which are basically like pies, right? Um, it, it's like a savory pie to me. Um, yeah. So again, pizza rustica is what um, Rocco Palese, the owner of Nancy's, was inspired by in 1971 when he created stuffed pizza. Uh huh. The Easter yeah. pie. That's what he. So, that's the stuffed pizza, not a deep dish. Yeah, right, right. And but even so, I, I and I guess, you know, I'm thinking of some deep dishes that I've had here in LA, of some that I've had in Chicago. To me, they're almost the stuffed pizza without the top layer of dough. Yeah, well, first of all, you can't say anything about the deep pizzas in, in LA being representative. I mean, I've been to Maso of Echo Park, I've been to the one in Long Beach. They're not deep dish pizza. They're they're uh, they're not good representations. Um, if you bit into a lose or a Mai Pie or a Labriola, it's like eating a Sicilian, but it's uh -huh. in a round pan. It's the okay. same thing as eating a Sicilian, but in a round pan. Okay, well that that that's starting to sell me. That's starting to sell me on the uh, on the notion of that as pizza. Um, look, I I like it. Nothing against it, but you know, as an LA no, person. No, I got to take you on a pizza tour. That's what's going to come down. To. <laughs> that's take you on the a bottom tour. line. Well, speaking of, you know, really excited to for for Pizza City Fest. Uh, where where can people find you online, Steve? And where can people find information about Pizza City Fest? Just pizzacityfest.com is the easiest. And I'm Steve Delinsky with a Y dot com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for for coming on. We'll have to have you back sometime. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, man. Great to All hear right. from you. Thanks, Steve. Talk soon. Bye now. So thanks to Steve Delinsky for telling us about Pizza City Fest LA. And now we're joined by the man who used to run Brian Colangelo's burner account. <laughs> it's Cousin Salmon. How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, man. Uh, yeah. Proud, you, proud uh, social media intern for Brian Colangelo and the whole Colangelo family. Well, I, I, bring, I bring that up because I think it's an important thing to put on your resume as you continue to make your case for the infatuation. Look, I, I think if uh, Brian Colangelo's uh, <laughs> uh, entire flame out and loss of career is any indication, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm well, doing. Well, you, you certainly know how to, you know, keep people talking about you. <laughs> uh, aren't you forgetting to wish me something? I was about to say it, man. Happy birthday. Thank 32, you. 32. You're our properly middle-aged now, man. Got yeah, six months I, left in those knees. Yeah, I'm 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 middle aged by like nineteen uh, fifties standards. <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully I'm not middle aged. Hopefully I'm like hopefully you know with modern science maybe I'm maybe I'm just reaching quarter age. You never know. Yeah, you tell yourself that all that marathon running, you're gonna be broken down in like about a year and a half as well. <laughs> we'll be we'll be wheeling you around. That's how I keep the sandwich weight off, my dude. <laughs> I, I, it's a hell of a comp. It, it's the funniest way to destroy your body. Just doing the healthiest thing everyone imagines running marathons and just pounding your body with pizza and sandwiches in the interim. It's a real, yeah. it's a real like uh whiplash you're giving your body, which, you know, we'll see how it plays out. You're that's, a modern mar marvel. That's what I like to say about myself too. That's actually how I describe myself <laughs> um, in interviews. Uh, well, today we're doing something a little different. Um, well, everything is different because we're, early in the life cycle of this <laughs> podcast. But for the first time, we are going to do a draft. Essentially, this is kind of like a sports thing, right, Saul? 
yes, a draft is a sports thing. Or if you're a World War II vet, a very, very unfortunate thing. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair point. Uh, basically, the way a draft works is each team gets to pick their first choice, uh, followed by their second choice, followed by their third choice. And we are doing it today with a theme. We are picking the best birthday evenings in Los Angeles. And the way we're mm -hmm. defining this is pick one restaurant and one bar combo. And the only rule is they have to be a mile or less apart. Mm -hmm. Is that fair Fair to sum up the rules? That's right. It's it's the ideal Los Angeles birthday evening, at least the beginning of a Los Angeles birthday evening restaurant bar combination in, you know, just about walking, if not cheap Uber distance. That's fair. Okay. Uh, you've let me know that you didn't verify distance, so you may be disqualified <laughs> from this. But the way this is going to work, we have to come up with a way of who gets first pick. I thought – guest doesn't get first pick. Pretty rude. Pretty rude podcast, if I do say so myself. You know what? I am so confident in my picks that I will let you have the first pick. That is how magnanimous <laughs> I am. You're going to regret it. I got I got some doozies here, man. You're about to get stomped on your own turf. The boy from Seattle going to come in and give the give the audience the best LA recommendations there are to have. Now, funny enough, I I created a, a self imposed restriction as well, which is okay. that all of my restaurants and bar recommendations are exclusive exclusively places that I have been to in LA, which means they're technically about seven years old. <laughs> Which we'll hey, see how that plays, but in my mind, it's the best of the best. Look, I've got I've got plenty of old school places on my on my list, and that's because I think you know there's nothing in God's law that says you need to have a birthday at a newly opened restaurant. At least last right. time I checked. No, that that's absolutely right. And by the way, if it's lasted the seven years slash six years since I left LA, that means it's a classic. That means yeah. it has staying power and that the people love it. And so I feel confident that, you know, the the nights that I have planned for our soon-to-be uh, birthday-celebrating audience members are going to be the absolute best options they have in front of them. All right. So without further ado, uh, the commissioners on stage is calling out. With the first pick in the draft, it's Cousin Salman. Who you got? This recommendation is called the Echo Park Party Time. You know I had to go back to our neighborhood for, for to kick this off. For Dude, the you, never, you never sounded more like a gentrifier in your life. <laughs> oh, I, I bet I have, though. <laughs> I, I, think, I think our the, the vanguard of Echo Park gentrification that we were a part of back in 2014, 2015 has now been fully complete. And so I can... Uh, Bask in my victory by telling folks, if you want a great birthday, and especially if your best friends and closest confidants are, you know, young, single, you know, a couple of years out of college, have a couple bucks in the bank, and you, and, and you know that you can trust this group to believe that what happens in Echo Park stays in Echo Park, here's Oof, what you do. Here's what you consideration. do. You go... BYOB at Guisados Tacos, first of all. Yes, an old standby. Everyone knows Guisados. You could say, hey, that's a real old, like that's a 2016, 2014 recommendation, Saul. No, trust me. You bring all the booze your money <laughs> can buy to Guisados. You load up on delicious tacos and you walk right on down to the best bar in LA, Little Joy, on the corner of Portilla, Portia, I don't care, Portia and Sunset, 
Little Joy, the best night you can have. One of the best nights of my life, courtesy of you, Little Joy Bar. You're welcome. That's that's your night. And I'm even going to cheat a little bit. This isn't part of the pick. Okay. But just, I just, just so you know, you can take that party right on down to the Echoplex and enjoy some booty LA okay, this and is round a... out your evening. Okay, I'm just saying, I'm like, look, that's, Echoplex is not an official part of the recommendation. Okay, good. I'm just throwing it out there. Because I want, I want the Echoplex to remain on the draft board. Mm-hmm. Do you know Fair what I mean? Like you, you, yeah, can't, yeah, yeah. you can't, yeah. It's, it's, it's not off the board for sure. It's the, like, we saw those BYOB and Little Joy, number one overall pick. I'm pretty happy that you picked this because it's honestly like picking Greg Oden in 2022. It's like, wow. yeah, that's it's like, rude to Echo Park. No, no, that's not, no, like, okay, I, I didn't even mean for like the bus potential. I meant, <laughs> I meant just because this is such an antiquated pick for, uh-huh. for uh-huh. the current draft. Like, there's clearly a Victor Wenbanyama on the board, and I'm Ooh. about to take him. Are you ready for this? Oh, yes. Educate. Okay. So, with the, fir- with the second pick in the draft, Team Luca selects De La Nonna and the Let's Go in the arts district the let's go yes so for those of you who don't know dylan on night is a wonderful beautiful very stylish mm. pizza restaurant you might say but it's more than just a pizza restaurant because they make these beautiful little focaccias and they have like gorgeous decor they've got fancy little salads the the food is very shareable they've got beautiful drinks and they just opened an italian disco mm. Yeah. right next door yeah. that is hot to trot so you can do it all with literally 10 paces by going to Delanonna, having some incredible food get your aperol spritz on and then walk over to the let's go to dance to some you know uh italian disco songs that you probably never heard of but are definitely going to get your blood flowing and, and that is, that yeah. is the victor Wenbunyama on the board right now it's, it's a good pick. I'm not going to lie. You took me to Della Nona before me, you, and a friend of ours went to a LA Clippers game, subsidized by your tr- by yours truly. And it, was, <laughs> it was a good place. And I, oh, I've never been to, to Let's Go, to the Let's Go, to the Let's Go. The Let's the, Go. To the Let's Go. But I saw the opening. It did look pretty, pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So are, are you regretting your first pick now? Absolutely not. Come on, mine. Mine is like a mine is an LA classic. Like I said, yeah, LA yeah. standby. You can't go wrong. Yours, yours would be great for an out of towner. Oh, shut! Uh, that's that's <laughs> that's disrespectful. <laughs> all right, all right. Third pick on the draft. I'm feeling pretty good so far. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, okay, third pick on the in the draft. You're on the clock. This one is the Arts District Classic. Now, if you and your friends have been away for a couple of years, you're past your too cool for school days, and you value just a high quality, high entertainment, high good time night out in the city, here's where you go. You start at the one and only Bestia. That's your dinner. No one's ever had a bad dinner at Bestia. No one's ever had a bad night start at Bestia. And you walk around over to what I feel is like a really great special bar, Resident. Now, if Villains Tavern was still open and survived pick. COVID, RIP, they would have been the, the pick. No idea if they're a mile away from Bestia. Let's just hope that they would have been. Uh, but Bestia to Resident, I think, is a can't-go-wrong night. Also a perfect vibe for, again, kicking off the evening. You're going to be well-sated with pizza, pasta, and delicious appetizers from Bestia. You're going to have a nice open air bar feel and an air streamer serving you drinks at resident. 
And from there, the knife can go wherever you want. This is a good pick, I will say, for uh, for proximity of the bar that you really mm-hmm. nailed that. I also think resident really captures that birthday feel. It feels like a party. Yeah. It feels like it feels like that like backyard party in college at the house that that one like group of friends rented and got really lucky to rent. You know, they yeah. had like a really nice outdoor space. So I like this pick a lot. Um, I'm not heartbroken that it's off the board. Um, but certainly I could see how it would be a good roster fit for some rosters that might make the playoffs, might make the play-in game maybe. Um, <laughs> you're not going to be challenging really for a top four spot, I don't think, with Ooh, that pick. I, I find that hard to believe. Okay. I, you know, with the fourth pick on the board, uh, the commissioner is waving, me, waving at me to, to make it, to, to put the pick in. And I'm going with a, uh, with a classic because not all, not all birthdays have to happen at hot and you flashy restaurants. <laughs> This is a Koreatown birthday. And mm. oh, that's I did not have that on my list and I can't believe I forgot it. Damn. Yeah. I'm it, already it, I, I'm already look, hurt. Koreatown is the Las Vegas of Los Angeles. <laughs> I believe that. It is like you go to you go out for a night in Koreatown and if you can find parking, anything can happen, honestly. Like it's the one place where you 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 don't even need a plan when you go out because there's always something going on. There's always some weird karaoke bar, some weird soju bar, some delicious food that you've never heard of that you're going to like try for the first time. It is the place where magic happens. However, I'm going to more tried and true classics here, but I I just want to, you know, for a birthday, you don't want to leave anything to chance. You want, you want a plan, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to start the night at a restaurant that always feels like you've stumbled into somebody's birthday party, and that is Gelagetza, Oaxacan classic. Yeah, there's always live music. They're always playing. You know, they're really bringing the vibras. You got great mezcal cocktails. This is actually the bar that is credited with introducing mezcal to the Los Angeles scene. So you got a nice little, you know, uh, tidbit w- with which you can impress your guests uh, by by throwing that on them, uh, and just excellent food. And then. With less than in less than a mile, you can take the party to the one and only Brass Monkey Cafe. Oh, fuck, this is a fuck. good pick. This is a good pick. Now, this is a good pick. Yeah. So, so for those of you who don't know, Brass Monkey is like located in the back of like a commercial building. It is a divey karaoke bar where pretty much every night of the week you can have an amazing time. There's always like some weird like office party where like people are getting a little too handsy there's always like this one dude who shows up every single night and sings whitney houston to absolute perfection and you can get cheap shots you can sing you can not sing you can just cheer on your friends or others as they sing it is a vibe and to do that and gelagetza this is the ultimate three and d pick you know well in college <laughs> stayed the reason it's down this far on the board is that it's it, it, it's did well in college but it stayed off four years so there yeah. was a little bit of questions you know about like what exactly you're going to get are they ready for the league you know were they a little too coddled in college so there's a little bit of unpredictability but i think that experience is actually going to be a benefit and it's going to be a instant ros- roster fit instant impact no, this is the steal of the draft, and I feel. I, I, and as I was making my list, I was I was going essentially neighborhood by neighborhood and making my top pick of combo for each neighborhood. And I was looking at my list, I was like, I feel like I'm forgetting something. I don't know why. And it was fucking Koreatown. 
of all places. <laughs> Brad, like Gulli gets a Brad Mon- Brass Monkey. Now, for each of my picks, for example, I've set out a specific audience that would, I think, maximally enjoy the place. Gulli yeah. gets a Brass Monkey. That's that's forever, man. You it's never forever. go wrong. You could be 18. You could be 45. Yeah, you have an honestly, good night. And good night for different reasons, right? But like, you can absolutely, no matter the age, that's a timeless pick, man. Timeless. That's that's a rough one. That's the Nikola Jokic second round pick here. Yeah, that's yeah. My life, bro. Yeah. All this right. Is Steph Curry, really. Anyways, uh, okay. Well, uh, well, the commissioner is now waving waving to you because it's time for pick number five in this draft. Pick number five. I'm, first of all, even though that was a great pick, I'm I'm unbothered. Ultimately, I feel confident in my squad, and I'm going with the downtown LA yuppie night. Okay. This is, if you couldn't tell from my first three picks, I'm essentially just retracing my set steps through my two and a half to three years in Los Angeles <laughs> as a resident. The yeah. DTLA Yuppie Classic Night. Now, it was actually quite difficult to pick the right restaurants. And what I'm, what I'm picturing here is that if you and your friends are overpaid professionals, you're doing some consulting bullshit or finance nonsense, and you think you're bigger than your britches, but who cares? Then what you're going to do is this. Yeah. And you might laugh. Actually, no. I have two restaurants. I'm going to choose the one I think is cooler. What we're going to do is we're going to hit Barama. Bar AMA? Barama? I don't know. Barama. Yeah. Barama. It's always uh, great when you can't pronounce where you're inviting people to dinner. Don't even worry about it. (laughs) All you need to do is read it and plug it into Google Maps. We're fine. (laughs) Tex-Mex, delicious. A perfect, hearty, delicious meal before a night of heavy drinking. And then where the night will begin is at the Edison, which I think is just a super fun, underrated. It's been along for a, been around for a long time. Yeah, a super cool environment. An old, essentially, again, gas factory. Not I have no fucking idea, but it's yeah. cool as hell. You can dress up, you can dress down. It doesn't matter, and you're just in a really cool environment. And you're right in the middle of everything. Yeah, Your bar crawl for the night could start right there. In fact, uh, I took your fiance when we were getting to know each other on a little. Downtown LA bar crawl to let her get to yeah. know her a little it's when better. You, when you were trying to swoop, it was still early enough. <laughs> you had the opportunity. It, it was a risky moment for you, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, luckily, I flirted, I flirted with danger that night. <laughs> it was it was uh, all all saved by her meeting her and I meeting my current bosses at the time about six bars deep, and her calling me daddy in front of them. <laughs> Which they never let go. That's just the, the the origins of Daddy are a different are a different conversation, a different podcast. But she yeah. she said that to me, and for the rest of my professional life, the moniker has not left my side. And in fact, as I'm as I'm reflecting on this, her calling me Daddy in public might have been, frankly, quite risky for you in general. But yeah. it turned out turned out fine. Everything was as it should be. But we started at the Edison, the perfect yeah, look, night. Look, I like this bar. pick. I like this pick, and here's why. First of all, uh, Barma, underrated restaurant, 100%. It, mm-hmm. it, it used to be properly rated, but I think as as happens with a lot of restaurants in LA, they survive tough times. They make it like eight to 10 years, and all, all of a sudden, they lose a bit of their shine, and I think it's unfair. So you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm willing to give you like that's still an excellent restaurant. I also think it's party food. You know, it's yeah. Tex-Mex. You know, yeah. it's there's something that just makes you want to dance about dipping your chips in mm-hmm. queso and washing it down with a margarita you know it it, it signals it signals fun yeah uh, so i love that i love that as a pick i'm jealous i think I, I think the edison's a good shout because there's a lot of directions you can go in downtown and that one takes you 
close to City Hall. Yes. And there's just something so like magical and romantic about like the art deco-ness of like the LA Times building and the City Hall. It just you feel like you're in a in a noir movie, you know? So I'm I'm digging this pick. I really am. I'm I'm jealous. I'm jealous I could have used it on my team. Logistically as well, starting at Edison, you were at the top of the hill. And so yeah. wherever the night takes you, you're walking downhill. Big yeah. deal when you're three bars deep. Yeah, look. This has made me reevaluate my next pick because my next pick, sixth pick in the draft, I was, you know, we're outside the top five now. Um, So things start to get a little less certain, you know, Um, but I traded up for this pick. I did uh, (laughs) because I really believe in it. And the pick I'm making with the sixth pick in the draft is sort of a two in one. It's both your bar and your restaurant. And that is Melody Wine Bar in Virgil Village. Uh, Allow me to explain. Now, Melody Wine Bar, first of all, you got to keep in mind, most birthdays don't happen during a weekend. Most birthdays happen on a weekday, right? And so you need an option too for the nights where folks may not want to turn up all the way. You need an option for a night when like people may just want to sit at a beautiful communal communal table, have some, you know, tasteful natty wine and have you know elevated conversation about the things that are affecting them and that's a solid birthday too so the melody wine bar is a beautiful wine bar in virgil village where not only do they have great natural wines it's very aesthetically pleasing there's great parking around there surprisingly because there's a lot of meters on virgil um but also they are basically an incubator for some of the hottest pop-up restaurants in Los Angeles. Hmm. The previously mentioned De La Nonna started as a pop-up at Melody Wine Bar. One of my favorite tacos that I had on my taco countdown last year, Molly LA, which was basically like a Jewish-Mexican fusion. They had this insane pastrami taco, which sounds gross, but it's actually was actually incredible. That started at... Melody Wine Bar. So not only are you inviting people to a sick wine bar, you're also basically inviting them to what is eventually probably going to become one of the hottest restaurants in LA one day. So it's it's a way to wow your friends. It's a way to have them try something new while also not asking them to even leave one place to go to another. It's a bar and restaurant in one. This is very much the, you know, it played in the foreign leagues, you know, it didn't go to college. So it's not, it's kind of unknown. It's kind of a hipster pick. So there's definitely a little bit of a bust potential because you don't know what the pop-up is going to be on any given night. But if this one pays off, you're going to look like a genius. This is the Luka Doncic of the draft. <laughs> this, I'm not going to lie. When you first started describing it, I've never been to Melody Wine Bar. When you first started describing it, I was like boring pick, lame. This is like a low, <laughs> low ceiling potentially low floor pick i'm i'm cruising but the pop out the pop-up piece brought it around where i go okay high floor potentially low ceiling but i'm sorry high ceiling potentially low floor and i like and i like that i like that i'm, I'm into the pick i don't you know if your birthday's on a wednesday you're allowed to celebrate on a friday you don't have to you don't have to post yeah, it. but, but not, everybody say, can. not everybody no, you, can not everybody can not everybody I mean, I, what's stopping? <laughs> what, what, if you, like a... what if it's your brother's <laughs> funeral on Saturday, you know? And you'd, you'd be an absolute dick to go out on a Friday night the night before your brother's funeral. So you're celebrating yeah. on a Wednesday. 
And given my 56 brothers dying each week of the year, I'll never be able to celebrate my birthday on a weekend. No, you got me around. I was legitimately, when you started talking, I was like, why? But I, yeah. I, I like, I like the pitch. I like the pitch. Yeah. I'm still, I still feel like it's, it's a, it's a risk and it's not it's a, a bad risk. place to take a risk. But I will but, say it's, it's, it's but a I risk, but I, I can speak from personal experience. I took this risk last night. I celebrated my birthday at Melody hey. Wine Bar and I looked at what the pop-up was going to be. And I was like, Ugh, I'm not feeling it. It was like a Filipino pop-up called little imposter. I, I, w- I w- really wanted pizza as everybody knows I, I live and breathe and bleed pizza. So I was really hoping that my boy lucky Nick's was going to be there, Ooh. but little imposter was there and I ordered everything on the menu, which is really easy to do on a pop-up. And it was absolutely mind-blowing it was incredible we had adobo pork which was like almost like had a buff bourguignon thing going on over some anson polenta grits like incredible some delicious uh, prawns that were beautifully fried had some lumpia which were just ethereal like take me home absolutely every day of the week so even when you don't think you're going to be excited about a pop-up i just think they're so good at curating it that you're going to have a good time no matter what. So I think anybody who turns their nose up at this pick doesn't know the game. I, I respect it. I'm glad you had a good time last night. I'm glad you ate good food. And I like to say that little imposter, a great headline for your birthday. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> no, it would be big imposter for me. Um, anyways, uh, next up is the seventh pick of the draft. So We're without going, further ado, uh, make your pick. I'm going. I'm. I'm. I'm planting my flag right in your neighborhood, bro. I'm, I'm taking over home court. We're going to Highland Park hipster. This is, if you recall, the downtown. Oh, sorry. If you call the Arts District Classic, that's when you and your friends are past your two school, too cool for school days. Yeah. The Highland Park hipster is when your friends still think you're you. They're cooler than you really are, and yeah. above the usual LA scene. And you go straight to the brand new, grand opened. Via's taco, Tacos Brick and Mortar and walk right on down to Block Party. And okay. I'm cheating again. I'm cheating again. If you were to continue to continue your night, good housekeeping speakeasy behind Birdie's Cafe. The perfect, the perfect nightcap to a good birthday. Now, good housekeeping again will not be a taken pick. This is just an elaborate elaboration on the original recommendation. Yeah. So I'm just I'm just visualizing. I'm an itinerary yeah. builder. Well, look, I think you have some deep flaws in this pick. Um, Ooh. I think your flaws with this pick are logistical. Um, and this may just be because you are you're you're an out of towner. You're you're a transplant, you're a fraud, you're all these things. <laughs> so, I uh, so the problem with this pick is first of all, Vias Tacos, I love I love that pick. Absolutely love it. It would have been an inspired pick if you chose it to chose to do it at Via's Tacos on York when they're yeah, still popping yeah, up yeah. in front of Block Party. Because the issue is, if you're gonna go to the new location, it's gonna be probably a 25 minute walk to get to Block Party. And then, uh. and then if you go <laughs> if you go back to Good Housekeeping, that's probably a 40 minute walk, which means you're gonna have some pretty pissed off birthday guests. Hey, look, uh, Via's Tacos are pretty big. You gotta walk it off. You gotta yeah, walk it off yeah. a little. Uphill, it's all part of uphill, the plan. Uphill. <laughs> Literally, for how excellently planned your downtown pick was, 
This was equally poorly planned. This is like I'm not gonna lie. I have no fucking idea where Villas Tacos Brick and Mortar was. I was like, I bet it's close. I bet it's pretty close. This is like this is this is like the GM who just got the job and doesn't know what he's doing at all. And basically, like somebody tricked him into trading a pick, and he he's just doing the hype pick right now. You know. God no damn. thought this, about this is, so this is a reverse Sam Hankey. I'm 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 betraying all of my values. Yeah. I, you know what? I don't even care. I stand by this. Vias Tacos is the some of the best shit out there. Like no, I best, said, it's a way, yeah. it's a weighty taco. And one of the risks that I consider when making this recommendation was is Vias Taco too heavy to start a night? But given we got a nice healthy walk in between. People can stop by. We can do a little, uh, you know, stop by a bar, maybe the Hermosillo. Again, no idea where that is in relation to Black Party or Vias Tacos, further, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, but yeah. M- mostly the goal here was to step right into your backyard. Yeah. Not to, not to oh. dox you. And, thank you. No, I was going to say thank you for, uh, for letting our many listeners know yeah, where, yeah. I, where I spend my time. The crowds uh, of paparazzi and fangirls, I'm sure, are going to be difficult for you to manage from here on. Fangirls, fanboys, whatever whatever floats my boat, right? <laughs> um, all right. I, I think it's time for the eighth pick in the draft. And again, I'm switching it up because you know I'm looking at my roster, and I think what I really need is a bad boy. I think mm. my team doesn't have enough grit. It doesn't have enough, like, you know... Yeah, you're soft. Like, you're who soft. am I putting in, in, in like, in like, uh, what do they call it? Like, uh, at the end of the game, crunch time. But like, you know, when like, uh, when like, you really gotta like pull out, pull out your stones, you know. So, for dinner, we're going to East Hollywood. We're going to East Hollywood, mm. and we're we're gonna go to a cuisine that I know you have a racist aversion to, but that I love, and that is Lebanese Armenian food. We're going to Carousel Hollywood. It's a beautiful place where not only can you get plenty of family style dishes, you know, perfect for sharing, perfect for trying different things. Also, the waiters come out there and sing this weird happy birthday to you song in their accents. And it's actually really, really fun. So I highly recommend in their that. accents. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just, it, it's part of the fun. It's part of the experience. Okay. Um, and, uh, after you've wrapped up a fantastic dinner there, we're going to go literally 0.3 miles away to Jumbo's Clown Room. Ooh. Now, for those of you who don't know, this is like the wokest strip club of all of, all of the strip clubs. It's not even really a strip club. It's, it's, it's basically just a place where you go and have drinks and, and admire some burlesque dancers. And, and, and I think it's kind of like an edgy pick, you know, it's an edgy pick, but sometimes you need that edgy birthday. Right. So I think this is, this, this pick had some behavioral issues off the court in college. This is what they said, but no one denies the talent. And if you can rein in the talent and focus it and turn it into grit, this is the perfect team player to bring you, bring you to the playoffs. This sounds like my birthday nightmare. Bro, this was your <laughs> Anthony Bennett, your Mark Health Fultz, your Ben Simmons pick. You're going from Lebanese food <coughs> trash to a <laughs> fake strip club? That sounds like a disaster. I've never been to Jumbo's Clown Room. I've never been to Carousel. But goddamn, I would kill you if you took me on this birthday. I'm feeling great about my team right now. This was... This was, Look, in my opinion, swing and miss, bro. This is this is the reaction I expected everyone to have. You know, like nobody picks. This is like <laughs> the movie The Draft. You know, 
when Kevin Costner <laughs> like is gonna go with with the main like prospect but then he like realizes that none of his teammates went to his birthday you know so he's like i'm gonna go with the, with the guy that has character that's a mistake mistake bro you have to go for the talent because the payoff is so much greater you know yeah the reason no one went to that dude's birthday is because it was that fucking jumbo's clown room that may be true but all you gotta do is get the right coach you know get 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 you know tibs in it in with him and uh you know get his head on straight all right we got one pick left each because we're gonna wrap this up at te- at, at at 10 overall picks i think that's fair right 10 overall picks oh, by the way i have some honorable mentions which i would love to shout out to you no we but... can I, I have some too so we can do that we will do oh, love it. your pick your last pick my last pick then we'll roll through your honorables and my honorables Sounds great. All right. Okay. Ninth pick on the board, on the draft. Who you got, Cousin Saul? This is the Atwater Village slash Frogtown over 30. So once your crew has turned Luca's age, you're at the corner slash round the bend of middle age. They need your friends need a night out from the young kids and yeah. like the, the strains of marriage and bullshit. And they, <laughs> they want to re- they want to relive relive the glory years for an evening. Here's where you take him. One you glorious go, evening. One glorious evening at Salazar, right around the corner to Zebulon. A yeah, place where is, you just took yeah. me, and it's a perfect one, too. This is a great pick. This is a pick that should have been much higher up the board. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this one fell down so far, actually. I was I was trusting that you wouldn't take it. I feel I felt like you had you like wanted to pop with a couple like creative hipster picks, your melodies, yeah. your carousels. Yeah. So I felt confident it would be here for me, and I was correct. Yeah. I you were. No, it was this. a gamble. That was a gamble. You, it I, was. you basically no, it called my was. bluff. Yeah. yeah. This is a good pick. I feel like this is, you know, blue chip player, uh, probably played for Duke, um, you know, like knows great fundamentals, but potential to be just an average player, you know, like, uh, uh, maybe like we could end up on the Hawks and like never make the playoffs before getting traded to Minnesota, that kind of player. Yeah. Yeah. I see that, which is why I framed it for the over thirties who are okay with the low ceiling. You know what I'm saying? Like it's okay for home by midnight. It's fine. We're going yeah. to Zebulon. We're going to have a good time. And also I think that's an area where there's unlike the DPLAs and the arts district, there's not much of a second slash third location from those spots, but that's okay. It's a contained experience probably walking distance from your middle-aged home in Frogtown, and that's what it is. But it is my my late draft safe pick, and and I feel like it's a solid contributor. Feel good about okay. it. Okay. Okay. That's that's for you to feel. That's between you and God. <laughs> you and your God. You and your maker. Okay. My final pick in the draft, um, we're going to Hollywood. We're going to Tinseltown, baby. Mm. Mm. Um, we're going to have dinner at L'Antica Pizzeria da Michele. So yeah, that's a great spot. This is for those of you who don't know the one of the only U.S. locations of Naples' most famous pizzeria. Uh, so they make Neapolitan-style pizzas, but they do so much more there too. They make excellent pastas. All of their dishes are lights out, great for sharing. It's a very sleek restaurant too. It definitely like brings the vibras. So I highly, highly recommend it for any birthday. And from there. We're going up to the Roosevelt to the spare room. Oh yeah, spare room. You can grab drinks. You can you have an activity which is key for birthdays, especially if you've like invited that like work colleague that you don't know that well. So you know you want to break the ice a little bit by like having an activity. 
the spare room is the perfect place. Just, you know, hand them a bowling ball, let them go to town, you know, um, preferably on the, on the bowling alley, not, not elsewhere in the bar. Um, but to me, this is the big man who can shoot threes, you know, you got mm. you, active in the paint, unafraid, um, maybe needs to like build a little muscle so that they can, can compete in the league. But I think this is, uh, this is, this is the kind of five that you want on your team in the modern NBA. I, I like this is a solid pick. It's a it's a well worn neighborhood for me. One I'm familiar with, and I gotta say, one of my favorite things about Lantica is it's that it's that very uh, unique LA feeling where you're walking down the street in a neighborhood and you're like, this is a fucking nightmare. You're walking down Hollywood Boulevard, the cars are screaming past. It's dirty. It's loud. It looks like everything's dark and or closed. And you turn the corner, turn right into Lantica, and it's heaven. It's Oasis. Like Eden. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I like no, that. You're one. right. Thank you. Well, I think my team beats yours in this, but there's only Ooh. one way there's only one way to find out. <laughs> what, we put what? this to a vote? No, well, well, yeah, well, I, well, the actual way we're going to find out is by putting this to a vote, but I was going to say we're going to do all 10 birthdays in one night. <laughs> <laughs> I was That was my next suggestion, and I fucking love it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, next time you're in town. All right, it's time for honorable mentions. What do we got? You go right. first. First of all, before my first honorable mention, I want to pour one out for what I thought was the ideal – not just birthday evening, but any evening in LA. Um, two places near and dear to our heart that are no longer with us. It was the Ostrich Farm to Sunset Beer evening in Echo Park. Great dinner, oh, great one cute out. little yeah. spot, and then right to another cute little spot and the best of the best in Sunset Beer right across the street. It was so many great evenings at one and or both of those places. So pour one out for those guys. Now I... the first. Yeah, yeah, go. That go that that talk. is that is like makes me even sad to think about. You know, yeah, that's like this is the prospect that would have been amazing and got a career-ending injury in college. Yeah, the actual Greg, Greg Oden in some the way. actual Greg Oden. Yeah, yeah. My dream for the LA countdown, wherever it ends, is for you you to like somehow make enough capital to refund a new Sunset beer. That'd be the that's dream. the goal. Honestly, guys, we're going to start a GoFundMe, okay? All 20 of you listening to this podcast, we're going to start a GoFundMe, and we're going to re- resurrect Sunset Beer. That's the goal. <laughs> the, the guys who run it live in, like, Thailand now, and you're like, you got to come back. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Over. We're bringing you out of retirement. Got work to do. <laughs> People need beer and board games. They just do. They just do. They just do. Um, first honorable mention, uh, I'm going to go – so I, I, have, I have a couple here. One I think you're entirely unfamiliar with. I'm going to start with familiar, though, and that's the Los Files Wine Night. This is like your melody kind of equivalent. But yeah. for me, I was like, no, too boring. But at the same time, look, found oyster right over to Tabula Rasa. Uh, it's a beautiful evening. I mean, you just you just took me to found oyster. Great spot. Great vibes. Good food. Nice light dinner, too. I mean, depending on what you order. But generally speaking, oysters are uh, can be a relatively uh, light start to the evening. Then Tabula Rasa, just a classy little wine bar, really good vibes. Again, for maybe like a 30, 30-ish crowd, right? You're past your big yeah. party days, but yeah. just, just a great night. Great night. What's your first honorable mention? I like – well, let me just say I like this pick. Mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a good pick. Uh, I would have liked it even better if it was back in the days when La Morra was still making pizza there. Yeah, that in was the just, backyard, yeah. Yeah, some of the best nights of my life. I mean – 
exaggerating a little bit, but <laughs> not even that much. You know, I remember Valentine's Day where where uh, my now fiance and I went there, had La Morra and, and uh, Tabula Rasa. And then we went to go see the uh, disappointing romantic comedy, Isn't It Romantic, starring Rebel Wilson. Ooh, don't even know if I've seen that one. Maybe I should yeah. give it a shot. I, I watched it for... I watched it for uh, one reason and one reason only, and that is Adam Divine. <laughs> okay, That's, if he's in it, I understand that it wasn't that good. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> uh, that is an insult to a man I consider a high artist. But, anyways, um, okay, I'll give you I'll give you a couple of my picks that didn't that that fell out of my top top five. Um, so I'll give you two. Well, I'll give you. I'll start with one. First is a is a fashion district to downtown night. Um, mm. I wanted something opulent. I wanted something. Honestly, I went with a bit of like more like a a, a, Lat- a Latinx feel, um, hmm. and we're starting the night at Dama. We're starting the night yeah, at Dama. Yeah. Beautiful place for a party. It feels like you're in Cuba, but like the good old days when Castro hadn't completely lost his mind. <laughs> and the, it's just gorgeous decor. Uh, the food is fantastic underrated i think in the city one of the best desserts with their like soft serve just an incredible restaurant party vibes through the roof from there we're going to take a 0.7 mile walk to las perlas in downtown this is a nice combo man this is a great combo because you get you get the cuban sort of like uh buena vista social club vibe at uh dama and then you go straight to bad bunny man uh, mm. at the next place and that's that's honestly the way i want to die i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna i wanted to this was actually my third pick to begin with but yeah it fell out because you had some pretty good downtown arts district ones um so i felt like we needed some variety but honestly this is a this could have been a top top five pick yeah I was gonna say, this is like a top undrafted free agent i feel like this pick instead of your little carousel jumbo jumbo clowns whatever Jumbo, Jumbo's Clown Bar? What's it called? Jumbo's Room. Clown. Room. Okay, next time. Even shadier. Next time, even shadier. Next, time you're, next time you're in LA, you and me, Jumbo's Clown Room at 2 p.m. on a random God Wednesday. God we're God. doing it. We'll, we'll, we'll work remotely from there. <laughs> um, all right. So I will go then to – so this is uh, – I, I had to have a West Side option. I, I think we generally neglected West Side here. And Dude, again, me too. That's my next one too. So give me, give yeah, me what you got. Yeah, all right. Perfect. Let's do one. So I, yeah. this is the West Side snob night because you and your friends live on the West Side and have to pretend it wasn't the worst decision you made in your lives. You need to forget. You go to Felix. I've not been. I've heard great things. I think you could speak to how great Felix is. And then basically hit an Abbott Canine Farm crawl. Just go right yeah. down the street. I've, heard, I've looked up a spot called Rooster Fish, which, which looks like a pretty decent uh, cocktail bar. And then, yeah, do, do that. But I wasn't going to put this on my this – like this is like a European prospect almost to me that no one knows about. But it's not like a Giannis or Luca. It's like an Andrea Bargnani. And I'm like, this could go terribly. Uh, but this, but I, I knew I needed to have it represented. I, this one is my least favorite pick you've had the entire, wow. entire night. Wait, do you uh, not like Felix? I said this multiple times on the podcast and I'm like, am I talking to myself here? Because, uh, yeah, I don't like Felix. I don't like mother wolf. Um, I think Evan funky is over. It's the same guy. It's the same guy. My arch nemesis. It's, it's a very one sided arch nemesis thing. Uh, cause (laughs) you know, I probably don't keep him up at night, but I stay awake looking at the ceiling, just thinking about his undercooked pasta. So to me, this is, this is a bad pick. Um, There's, there's going to be a lot of people out there that like it. Um, I'm just not one of them, you know, you know, it's it's a a polarizing player. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is one that I'm happy to be a bad pick because, like, first of all, honorable mention, and second of all, if you couldn't tell by the way I framed it up, West Side, not a place I respect in general. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> some this, this brings but up like, a good point. Uh, this brings up yeah, a good yeah. point, it, which is who are these picks for, right? If we were making picks for, like, 22-year-olds, we 100% would have had more West Side spots. We would have had, like – go get a dinner on at Elefante on the rooftop and then go to the bungalow. You know, I think that's what the 22 year olds are doing. We are bringing a bit more, a bit more refinement and taste to this. We're going for like the, the thirties crowd, you know? So, and so I do have a pick that I think would appeal to both 20 year olds that find themselves on the West side and 30 year olds that could make a trek from wherever they live. Mm. Are you prepared? I think so. Okay, we are in the neighborhood of Palms, an under underrated place uh, in terms of partying. Probably because there just aren't a lot of places you can party. <laughs> but the dinner we're going to Madre, which is one of the best modern Oaxacan restaurants in Los yeah, Angeles. I've heard of uh, it. Excellent mezcal selection. Very very solid food. Again, some like party vibes in that it's like very warm lighting, you know, very friendly staff, you know, it, it feels like a special night out, you know, um, but also kind of unpretentious, you know, kind of unassuming. It's like in a little bit of a strip mall situation in Palm. So it's not too, uh, you know, you're not, you're not going to scare anybody off. You know, if you, if you invite that like friend of yours who just moved here from Iowa, they're not going to be like, oh man, Luca's gone LA, you know, they're going <laughs> to still respect you. Are you sure about that? I feel like you misunderstand how much people respect you on a general basis. I'm the most respected podcaster in the United States. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> um, but uh, no, the the bar option again. It's it's I. You'll see why this dropped off the list. But basically, you go right across the street to another strip mall, and you've got a wonderful karaoke dive bar called Boardwalk Eleven. Now. Mm-hmm. The reason this pick fell out of my top five is because I already had a Oaxacan restaurant in Galagetza and I already had a karaoke bar, Brass Monkey, not only, but they were already a combo in Koreatown. So this is basically like the night out in Koreatown if you're on the west side and you don't want to drive there and you don't want to deal with the parking. But it is an excellent option and um, it could have easily been in, in a top five. It's like when you have two very similar players, you know, and you only really need one for your roster. So I, I chose, I made my choice, um, but I could have easily gone with this and the team wouldn't have suffered. I, I will say, I, I just, I find it hard to imagine this West side, you know, Oaxaca into karaoke combo could best go to get to brass monkey. Those are just like, it's two similar players, but one's clearly better than the other. Yeah. And it would have been I, a I good pick. The right choice. Yeah. It would have been a good pick if, if the Gala gets a brass monkey player fell off the board. You know, but I still yeah, needed yeah, that yeah. player profile. This would have been my second have, I can't believe I still can't. I'm still kicking myself for not thinking of Brass Monkey, even as a starting point. Damn. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. That's a tough one to lose. And I think your team is going to suffer because of it, because I don't think you have any player quite like that. I, I I don't I don't quite. You're right. I mean, I had some barcades on the list. Button Mash was there. Angel City and Arts Brewery as like game bars, but really you came through with Brass Monkey as like a real event event space. I think that's a it's a strong pick. I'm not going to lie. Hopefully Jumbos and Carousel crosses it out, which I feel confident well, will. We are going to put all of these up to a vote on Instagram, on Instagram stories. So 
look out for that. We're going to literally go his first pick versus my first pick, Cousin Saw's second pick versus my second pick, and we're going to take a general – like we're going to take stock of who won this draft. And uh, next week the winner will get their flowers. How does that sound? That sounds great. I will say this whole game and this the research that went into it, I gotta have all my birthdays in LA, man. Where else would be? <laughs> These nights sound fucking fantastic. They do, they do. I think there's only one city I would rather have my birthday in. Can you guess which one it is? Ooh, it would be one of two. It's Mexico yeah. City or Cartagena. It's definitely Mexico City. Okay, I'll love, I'll, I'll love to Cartagena. I, I feel like Cartagena for both of them. Like it's in the glass box, glass yeah. glass case over there. We had yeah. our we had our experience, and yeah, Mexico City. Yeah, that's a that's a fair choice. Yeah, yeah. I uh, one one of these days we're gonna have to do a podcast on the best food city in the world, where we each make Ooh. our case for it. Ooh, oh yeah, I'm ready for that. Okay, well, cousin saw. Thanks for joining. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, good luck with uh, reviving Colangelo's Twitter account. Um, <laughs> and we'll see you next week, buddy. Can't wait, man. Always fun. All right. Peace out. Peace. That's a wrap on another episode of the LA Countdown, the podcast. If you like what you heard, follow and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week. Find us in the meantime on Instagram and TikTok at the LA Countdown. That's T-H-E-L-A-C-O-U-N-T-D-O-W-N.